everybody, and welcome back to the Orchard Podcast, where we help you make a positive and sustainable impact in the places of greatest need in our world. My name is Brian Lemieux. I'm the executive pastor of Orchard Africa, and I am here with uh, Mike and Michelle Tessendorf, the co-founders of Orchard Africa, and we are on Zoom today in two different countries. And so I'm here in the U.S. Uh, office and Mike and Michelle are later in the day in uh, South Africa. And so uh, Mike and Michelle, good to see you again. Hey, Hi, Brian. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful to see you. It's been a, a little while since we've seen one another. Yes, it's good to talk again. It's been a little while. You've been in South Africa for a few months now and uh, good, to, good to see you. Yeah, yeah. What would we do without Zoom? We got to plug Zoom over here. Yeah, it is a beautiful tool. And so, yeah, we're coming in through Zoom so we can see each other. Uh, those who are listening in, you can just hear us, but we get a chance to kind of see each other on the screen. Um, haven't haven't done that for a little while. And so what what's the latest uh, happenings in South Africa? Well, it's cold here. And I know that you guys in Arizona are melting from the heat. My gosh, I don't know so how you're coping. But I will make you very jealous by saying we're having wonderful weather, uh, just gorgeous. Sounds One of those amazing. perfect winter days. Yeah, there's, there's this part of the winter season in, in South Africa is where the sky is just so clear. I, I, it's for, for whatever reason, the winter sky, it's just so blue and so clear and everything is just so bright. And we've had a week of those days, uh, but still cold. And of course, as you said, we're a little further to, ahead in the day. We're actually heading into evening, and I'm looking out of my window, and we have a family of guinea fowl. If you know what those are, mm -hmm. you can look it up. If you don't, I'm not good. They <laughs> <laughs> they come and hang around on our front grass every evening about this time, and one of them has actually curled up at the edge of the grass and has now gone to sleep in a little ball mm. on the ground. Which, <laughs> It's like I, I could picture it in my mind. Everybody's going to sleep up in South yeah. Africa. All the animals are sleeping. Yeah, the little birds. And I must say one thing about guinea fowl. If anybody has seen a flock of guinea fowl, they have one collective brain. They're very stupid animals. <laughs> <laughs> They're funny to watch, you know. Anyway. All the guinea fowl lovers are going to comment on that for sure. <laughs> They, they're beautiful birds, they're gorgeous birds, but they just seem to have one collective brain when I watch them. You, you all have been busy. I know uh, as we've emailed back and forth and talked on WhatsApp, uh, you have had a nonstop season since you've been in South Africa. You are not like the guinea fowl rolling up a little ball and sleeping. Uh, it's been it's been busy for you, but productive it. Yeah, it has been. Um... For me, the, the major focus has been on the uh, network meetings for the pastors. I try and do one every quarter uh, where we have gather everybody in the Western Cape and everybody in the Northern Transvaal that we have some kind of a rela relationship with, uh, not the Northern Transvaal, the Northern Province. And so uh, we had those meetings just a week ago where the pastors gathered and we had a really, really wonderful time of talking about discipleship. And how discipleship is such an integral part of um, healthy healthiness in your church and growth in your church. And uh, I saw some really, really 
uh, sharp lights go on in a lot of the pastors because I think typically when we think of discipleship, we think about evangelism. And of mm. course it is, but it's also about growing people, not just numbers, but growing people to maturity in, in Christ. And so it was great for, for me. And the pastors really gave a lot of good feedback of how much they valued that. And so speaking of discipleship, Mike, what we also did is um, we had a small group of uh, leaders come and stay with us for a week. And uh, we knuckled down and had some conversations that <clears throat> were really deep um, as church leaders. Um, what does it really mean to be repairers of the breach when we look at our world around us and what is the church's role when we see brokenness and how do we as a church and how do we as church leaders um, respond? Uh, and it was so wonderful to have these leaders in our home for a week, having meals together, mm. uh, having conversations together, going out on excursions together, um, just laughing, nonstop mm. laughter. It's just wonderful to have people that you've known for decades um, and basically running a discipleship program for leaders. You mm. know, discipleship is not just for young believers. We often think discipleship is for new, new, new believers. It's not. It's a lifelong journey. And uh, leaders need to disciple leaders and they in turn will go back and disciple yeah. their leaders. And um, small group discipleship is, is, in my opinion, just so, so important. And it was a wonderful, wonderful week with these, uh, these leaders. And um, as I said, we've known them for decades. In fact, uh, some of them grew up as teenagers in the church that we mm. pastored. And they themselves are now pastoring churches and have families of their own and it was truly a wonderful time. So yes, we've been busy, very busy. Yeah, I, lo I love uh, the thought of discipleship, it's lifelong development, it's lifelong, and we get the opportunity to, as leaders, you get yes. to a point where you've developed leaders to be more like peers around the table and sharpen each other and learn from each other and um exciting to have that conversation about that topic of mm. seeing and identifying the broken parts of our world our society our structures and saying what's the role of the church in repairing those so that we don't see the same problems happening over and over again and the church being equipped to do that so that's, that's brilliant and, and then gathering multi-generationally you know some of mm. these leaders are 20 years younger than me, but man, are they sharp and did mm. they challenge me? And I love that. I absolutely love that we can get together as uh, uh, leaders from different generations and sharpen each other. Mm. Tell you what, though, Michelle and I were pretty proud of our physical uh, uh, sustainability. And we did a lot of excursions and a lot of walking, and mm. uh, we outpaced those young guys sharp <laughs> when it comes to other things. Yeah, we were up early, the first one's up and the last one to bed. And uh, <laughs> You put those young guys to shame. We did, but you uh, know what? I felt for them because they've all got young kids and oh. I think they were just enjoying being away from little children mm. that wake them mm. up early and they had an opportunity just to sleep in a little bit. Mm. <laughs> you know, one of them actually said, can't we stay? <laughs> <laughs> no, you've got to go oh. home to your children now. <laughs> <laughs> That stage of life with the little kids, it's the yeah. demand of the constant urgent. And so they must have slept well. 
Well, speaking of discipleship and development and repairs of the breach and all of that, uh, we're, we've been having that conversation over the course of the last year, looking at um, what does it mean to be the church that um, sees the needs in the world, responds, and uh, are the hands and feet of Christ. Specifically, we've been looking at Ephesians chapter 3 and this beautiful prayer and passage from Paul. And we've been going almost verse by verse or a couple verses at a time through it. And we are now at uh, Ephesians 3, uh, 14, 15. And so uh, I want to read that. And then we're going to jump in and talk about what does this say about missions and ministry and leadership. So it goes like this. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Just this one statement, specifically in 15. Um, before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And so what comes to mind? What jumps out is as we think about this statement? You know, I love, I absolutely love that verse because it starts off by talking um, that I kneel. So we're kneeling before God, who is creator, the Lord Almighty. We will go down on our knees before him. Yet we are taught to pray our father. He says, I kneel before the father from whom every family. So uh, he's a father of a family and it's a diverse family. And I, I just love that image of kneeling. You mm. think about submission and you think about being in awe of God almighty, but he is father of a family. Mm. Yeah, there's some, some translations uh, read uh, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth gets its name. Uh, I think it was Living Bible actually went on to say some of them are in heaven and some of them are on earth. So um, God's family is pretty big and it's multi-generational and spans the, the, the ages. And yet it's a family. But the fact that it is a family also means that although we are named and have the same name, uh, we're all different. Um, we, we're not clones. We're not twins of, of you know. And the, the beautiful thing about God, as 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 Father that Paul speaks about here, is John the Baptist was actually the first New Testament um, preacher to actually John, no, not John the Baptist, John the writer of the Book of John in chapter one. He was the first person to bring in this concept of of family, where he spoke about. Uh, to those who receive Jesus, to them he gives the right to be called the children of God. Um, up until then, throughout the Old Testament, God's people were referred to as the children of Abraham, or hmm. they spoke about Father Abraham and hmm. you know had sons and many sons had father, but <laughs> Abraham was was the father. Hmm. When they when they thought of themselves as children, they it was children of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And here came John writing about being children of God. I mean, it must have been a revolutionary concept for uh, people back in that day. And then, of course, as Michelle mentioned, um, Jesus introduced the concept of praying to not the God of Abraham and Isaac, and, but to the God who is our Father. Um, what, a, what a privilege. What an awesome thing to be children and have God as our father. Then mm -hmm. be part of a family that is just so incredibly 
unified, but also incredibly diversified. Yeah, that's a big pivot point in salvation history. When now we start to see God's divine plan of there's this oneness under under God. There's this family uh, mindset um, that we we are together as one, and yet um, uh, diverse as as that family. Actually, you said uh, we we are all one family, but uh, we're we're all different. And I think about as a parent, uh, we we my wife and I, Shelly, we we talk about this all the time. How different our kids are. And yeah, we feel we fair. feel like we parented the same them the same way, and then they just turned out radically different. And yeah. you have them all around the table, and their perspectives are different. Uh, what they like to eat are different. What what they like to do is different. And that's the beauty of the family is the the diversity, of the uniqueness of each person. And that's a thread too, um, right at that pivot point in Christianity's um, birth, is we see. Um, God saying, in the midst of your common faith in Christ, there's also um, diversity of gifts and talents and perspectives and backgrounds and culture. And that's, uh, that's part of that whole. And to embrace that, to celebrate that, to see God's image in the diversity of uh, that family. Right. You know, when mm. Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus, he knew he was writing to a very diverse group of Christian believers. Now, the congregation was made up of both Jews and Gentiles. And we know that Gentiles was a category that represented many different ethnic backgrounds. Um, they were culturally diverse. They had different norms. And yet, without diminishing their differences, they were one body. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And so Jesus um, alluded to this concept of diversity when um, he... he cleanse the temple and one of the statements he made was that my house will be a house of prayer for all nations and the the correct translation of that word nations actually is all ethnic groups um and so yeah jesus in the context of family and the context of father uh now is talking about a house but in this house it's a house for all ethnic groups that's uh, every uh, in other places the bible talks about every tribe and every tongue and every people and every nation all belong in this one house as the family of god to me that that is a, an amazing thing mm. that it's 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 a celebration of differences but yet we are one mm. if you think about it um the one thing we all have in common is diversity mm. <laughs> that's good you know this is a, a statement that has been said a lot but i think it's been said a lot because it's helpful is that when god envisioned this new kingdom this new testament kingdom um he was looking for unity not uniformity mm, that's good um mm. and he wasn't looking for um everyone to have the same culture and everyone to appreciate the same music um, he was uh, not wanting to have um, people in the same uniform. You know, there's that that word uniform, where we all look the same, we all wear the same clothes, and uh, he was wanting unity, but not not uniformity, not uh, oneness in that way. And mm. the beauty of the kind of kaleidoscope of what God created is uh, is uh, an asset, and and then sometimes a challenge. 
to do ministry as a family in the midst of the diverse context, which is what yeah. we do day in and day out with Orchard Africa. We're already always uh, doing ministry in the context of diversity. Yes. And I'm always reminded of that scripture that says, make every effort to maintain a spirit of unity through the bond of peace, because it's, it's difficult sometimes when uh, you're working with diverse people groups um, to maintain that bond of peace sometimes, because everybody has a different idea, uh, or if not a different idea, uh, different ways of doing things, different ways of expressing themselves, different ways of uh, presenting problems and finding solutions. Um, and so <clears throat> when you're working with a diversity, it is exactly that, to make every effort to maintain a spirit of unity through the bond of peace. Um, you know, <clears throat> I think of uh, diversity in the work that we do. Sometimes... Um, there's a difference. I'm trying to get my thoughts here. There's a difference between diversity and diverting. Mm. And so when we're working in different cultural groups, there's different ways of doing things. But we should not divert from sound doctrine, for example. And so if in this diverse group of people, there's a sound doctrine that is not being adhered to, well, then we find the unity, we find the peace without diverting from sound doctrine. I don't know if that make if I'm mm -hmm. making sense. Um, let me give you an example. Sometimes in African churches, and not all African churches, I want to make that very clear, this is not a, across the, the, the board, but there is within some African churches where they have a very different form of church governance. Um, in most Western churches, and I would say probably in most African churches, this is true, that the church is an autonomous organization, uh, registered, it's a, uh, a lawful organization. And so anything that gets done, gets done in the name of the church. And should the pastor leave the church, well, then the assets remain with the church. So that is the norm across most uh, churches. However, we have found over decades of working in Africa that some African churches see it differently, that the actual church belongs to the pastor, and therefore the assets belong to the pastor and the um, offerings belong to the pastor. And if a church building is purchased, it belongs to the pastor. So yeah, you have a diverting from what I believe to be sound church governance and probably diverting mm -hmm. from the law. Mm -hmm. And so when that kind of thing happens, we look for the unity of peace and we look as an organization to um, partner with people who have sound doctrine and sound church governance. So I, I think what I'm trying to say is that in this unity we do not have to divert. We want diversity, but we don't have to divert from what is lawful or what is sound doctrine. Um, and therein is the difficulty when you're working with other cultures is that we, we can assume things to be true, which possibly are not true. And it requires from us to dig deeper and to have hard conversations and to truly understand the people that we're working with. Mm -hmm. That's a great um, bit of information for people who lead mission teams or who lead um, outreach programs in churches, uh, particularly ones who 
send funds or are interested in investing in projects in, in Africa um, when it comes to churches to make sure. I think one of the important questions to ask is what kind of church governance, governance do you have? Um, who owns the assets? Who owns yeah. the assets? I mean, a lot of the illustrations that Michelle has mentioned is where we've come up with um, um, American churches who have sent money and built buildings and bought assets and found out that the pastors said, okay, now it's all mine. Thank you very much. Mm. And, uh, but they found out afterwards and not before. So it's a good, it's a good aspect of diversity which yeah. should be investigated. Yeah, I, I think that's a good ministry principle that uh, diversity doesn't mean diverting or we have to be careful that we don't divert. And sometimes uh, we think diversity means everyone agrees. You know, if we're really diverse as a team, then we're all going to agree. And good diversity means that there's hard discussion and likely disagreement. And it means in the midst of our differences that we work hard to come to a place of unity. Um, sometimes uh, when we think of diversity, you know, we we forget that it's hard work to get there. That means hard conversations. It means navigating different perspectives. Um, the easy way to manage diversity is um, well, every opinion's right. Every perspective is a good one. Every idea is great. But uh, a bad idea is a bad idea, no matter what um background you're from or country you're from or um something <laughs> that's not true is not true uh and being able to have enough trust together as a team as diverse as you are to talk about when it feels like we're heading off um off the path and i you know i could think of uh, similar situations in a western context where uh, we, we could divert when uh, a team might come to South Africa and be in someone's uh, home and praying with somebody and seeing a need there. And then, you know, kind of the, sometimes the Western mindset of uh, we're going to get her done and we're going to fix this and we have resources. And so let's let's buy the thing that needs to be bought and let's fix the situation. And, and that kind of strength uh, and uh, focus of leadership can be good, but then a lot of times it just totally misses the mark of what is most needed in that moment. And so I think uh, no matter where you live, you can get in the danger of diverting and we have to hold each other together as a family yes. by being one and doing the hard work to get there. Yes, striving for unity uh, without diverting from what is sound and smart and uh, working hard to understand and getting down to the right thing. Um, and for anybody who works in any kind of cross-cultural ministry understands that sometimes this is hard and it takes long conversations, but that's you know, what we call it. You know, kind of in a lighthearted um, standpoint, I remember uh, a year or so ago, uh, one of our staff members, MacDonald, mm -hmm. uh, needed to teach me how to drive on the right side of the road. And <laughs> I, I needed to teach him how to drive an automatic. Oh, so he had only so he driven, had... he had only driven a manual and we rented mm -hmm. a car and we were going to take turns driving it. Uh, MacD uh, lives in the Northwest province and is on staff, been on staff a long, long time. And, uh, and so uh, we, here, here we were in this rental car 
and he's to he's trying to teach me how to make sure I stay on the right side of the road and uh, the left side of the road. See, I, I see that's the I'm uh, already uh, kind of mixed up, I guess. <laughs> yes, the left side, and and then I'm trying to remind him that uh, he doesn't have to. Um, hit the clutch and so he's stomping his foot <laughs> on the ground and uh, you know you only need you only need one foot and so but just uh <laughs> the the challenge of um each having Maybe. to learn to, in order yeah. to get somewhere we were, we were trying to get somewhere together i had something to learn he had something to learn and and we figured it out and drove a an eight-hour trek together uh, on the correct side of the road it? How many times did you divert to the right? <laughs> <laughs> he, he he was a good coach because he um, he would tell me quite quickly that uh, I was on the I was turning the wrong direction. Um, he was a good driver instructor, but it takes us yeah. as a team. We, we've got to work at it together and in our weaknesses and in our strengths. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Back to the the, the work that we do. I think the beauty of diversity in the work that we do is. Uh, particularly when we bring mission teams out to visit our partner churches and serve in the communities, is I mean we, we're bringing Western people into an African culture. Uh, many of those Western people have not even left their home state, never mind coming to a totally different cultural setting. And we're talking about bringing urban people into uh, rural communities. Uh, this uh, the diversity that exists there. Um, people from relative sufficiency to communities where there's extreme lack and yet when those mission teams leave and you read their social media posts you hear them talk they talk about our brothers and sisters mm. in africa or uh, when they're planning to come back maybe a year later they talk about we're going to see our family on the other side of the world and so in the midst of all that diversity of culture and experience and, and sufficiency uh we still see family and oneness, brothers and sisters, and God is Father, no matter how different we are. Yes, yeah. that's really good. Yeah, I think about um, one of our other staff members, Pastor Patrick, and he is uh, the exact age that I am. I think I was born seven days before him. <laughs> and Patrick and I met uh, maybe 13 years ago when he was serving up in the Northwest, and I was serving in Michigan. And and just like you you said mike there's just the sense of after that first week we spent together coming back year after year it was the sense of coming home to family mm. and very different backgrounds very different upbringing uh, and and yet the sense that all of that uh, falls away in some respect as we are brothers in christ the similar vision for what we want to see god do in the world that that family that brotherhood that supersedes all the, the the different things that uh, make us who we are and that's so true <clears throat> absolutely i think that a church that values unity and diversity you know is a church that is rich in ideas it's uh rich in people it's uh it teaches us so much when we truly value uh this diversity um and i think that it brings the kingdom on earth closer to as it is in heaven mm. this idea of friendships mm -hmm. and brotherhood and sisterhood and family that is diverse but as jesus taught us to pray that it be on earth as it is in heaven 
this mm. idea of unity that there is in in God. We we need to value that diversity and not see it as something that divides us, but that gives us strength and that is valuable. You know, I think a good analogy for um, this tension of diversity and unity is what we see when we walk into a lot of churches, uh, maybe fewer churches these days than in the past, but you walk in and a lot of uh, traditional churches, you see a beautiful stained glass window, or you maybe uh, you uh, find yourself in Europe and you see an old um, cathedral, or uh, uh, maybe you grew up in a church with a more traditional building. And to see all the different pieces of glass coming together to form one picture. And in order for a, a stained glass window to tell a story as they often do and to be a brilliant um, expression of um, the beauty of the light of Christ is um, it, it has to be um, this combination of diversity and unity unity that each if each piece of glass was the same color and the same shape uh, well it wouldn't be anything someone would want to come and see it wouldn't be inspiring it mm-hmm. uh, it wouldn't be what it is as a stained glass window. And if um, yet, if you had all the pieces of glass, different colors and different shapes, and they were all sitting together in a box and not unified in any kind of order, it wasn't the lead that uh, tied them all together, then no one would ever know that the window existed. And for um, a stained glass window to be as beautiful as you've seen them to be, uh, you've got to be diverse and you've got to be unified. and. I think that's a good analogy for the church. I think it's a beautiful analogy. Absolutely. That we are one, we are one body. And for us to reap the assets of our diversity, uh, we have to lean into the challenges that diversity brings. And therein lies uh, that family moment when the Holy Spirit unifies us together and we see that beautiful picture. Mm-hmm. of the church, um, diverse and broken and yet united to tell one story and reflect the light of Christ. And it's we're wonderful. on a journey learning that. And I, I hope in the ministry that you're in, you're, you're on that journey too. And uh, we, uh, we're grateful for the time and the season of the church that we're in right now, where this question, this conversation is more and more becoming um, the, at the forefront of what the church is, can be, and should be as we make an impact in our world. Yeah, I think the world is very fragmented right now. And if there's one place where that can be, or the opposite can be seen, Mm. it can be the church and should be the church. Mm. Well, we pray that for you as you're listening. And as um, we equip churches in South Africa and equip churches here in the US, that's our heart, that we'd be one as we equip the church to care for the vulnerable. Thanks for being with us on that journey and for being a part of this conversation and look forward to the con- uh, the continued conversation with you. Uh, if you have comments or questions, we'd love for you to email us at podcast at orchardafrica.org. And maybe you have a story or a thought or an insight from the conversation today. We'd love to hear from you. With that, have a great uh, week and I look forward to our next conversation. Bye-bye, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Bye-bye. Thank you.